0: Hi, everyone. My name is Kevin Clark, and I'll be your host for today. I'm a UX manager on the Shopify email team at Shopify. And my guest for today is the one and only Kyle Pete, experienced architect here at Shopify. Hi, Kyle. Hey, Kevin. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Nice. I'm super happy to have you as a guest today to talk about leadership. I feel like leadership is kind of this weird topic that not a lot of people talk about in our industry. Like, I feel like there's a million articles on how to use Figma and how to use Sketch and, you know, like very design centric. But not a lot of conversations happen about like what's beyond that. And there's no better guest, I think, to talk about leadership than you. So to get into that that stuff, I kind of want to start like very early on. And I'm kind of curious to hear about your experience going from an individual contributor and then going into management and leadership to a broader extent.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's interesting. I think, trying to think of when that transition was for me because I think it was, it was a little bit more like unknown that I was doing it at the time than I realized. So I'm, I'm trying mm-hmm. to think back as to, as to when that started. So I think the first time that I ever like noticed that I was doing something that like approximated what I would think of now as leadership was actually my first product design job. So I was working at a company that was pretty small. I think we were like two or three designers at the time. And I just had a little bit more context due to some tenure that I had at that company than the other designers. And so I would often find myself like offering feedback, offering critique. And then over time, as I spent more time with those people, I found that they would come to me and ask me questions Hmm. and treat me more like in, in almost like a mentorship space. But my Personal perspective at that moment was like this is just like this is just working together, right? This isn't I'm not doing leadership like this is not a right. like active thing that I'm taking on. I'm just doing what anyone would do in this situation if they had a little bit more context or like stronger opinions or whatever it was, and, and giving my feedback. And so I think looking back on that, that's probably the first time where I was really in a leadership type position, but it wasn't like I was formally in a leadership position or anything like that. And I think like the the first time I moved into an actual formal leadership position was actually at the company I worked at before Shopify. Uh, it was a company mm. called Mobify, so I didn't have to change my email address too much, which was nice.
0: <laughs>
1: nice. So the company was also pretty small, and I joined there as a, as a senior designer and ended up over time basically doing the, the same type of thing that I was doing at, at that first company that I was talking about, which is like spending time with other designers, doing critique, offering my opinion on how we can make the work better, helping them work through situations maybe where they didn't know what to do, and again, sort of found myself in a position where people were coming to me for advice. And I was like offering them my opinion and and pushing, helping push their work forward. And I think it was other people around me actually noticed that and pointed it out to me as leadership at that point, which I think I had the same kind of feeling again. I was like, isn't this just what everybody does in this situation? But that led to me taking on an actual design lead position at that company and building that out into both a design and front end development sort of leadership position. And What was interesting about that was like I didn't have any training in leadership. I was not like I hadn't done it before. And all I really had were my own opinions on what I thought good leadership was for me. So, like what I had seen maybe previous leaders that I'd had do poorly, potentially, that I could maybe do better, what I'd had what I'd seen previous leaders do well that I could emulate. And I used that to sort of build up my opinion about what. Sort of, I would do in the situation that I was in, right? It's like that kind of like mm-hmm. testing of my opinion, and I think that's really all I did, especially at that company, was start to try things out. And one thing that was, I was really lucky, was that the company was growing, and so I was able to grow with the company and grow individuals alongside that. So we could bring other people up into leadership positions, and then we could test that some more, right? We could try it, right. try out different things, be like, oh, you're doing this one thing differently than I would have done it. Like, tell me more about that. Like, let's interrogate that position and uh, and see. What we think about it but at a certain point i kind of felt like i was had built an opinion about leadership at that company that was completely unfounded or untested like <laughs> i was like oh like i think this is good but like is it good is this what other people do is this like the right way to lead a design
0: right team? and it's kind of like it works for me in this situation, but is that something you can apply universally yeah. to all sorts of different contexts?
1: Exactly. And it was, I was, it was definitely feeling like, I don't know if I went and got a job somewhere else. Like if I could be a lead there, cause I'm like a good lead here mm. potentially. Cause I've made this thing into what I, what I thought it <laughs> should be, but I'm not sure this is what good leadership looks like. Mm. And that's actually what t- took me to Shopify. This was like the, the main thing that I, I wanted when I came here was, I came and I interviewed and I saw just how deeply we cared about experience here and how sort of all of the facets of experience teams work together to make great experiences. And that was obviously amazing and super interesting. But I also spoke with UX leaders like Rachel Robertson, James Bull, Daniel Weinand at the time, and like saw these people that had done what I had done, right? They had built up their own opinion about what great mm. design leadership looked like and they were able to test it off each other, but they were also at a point where I had never got to. So I could learn from them, we could learn from each other and really start to cement this idea of what what good leadership looked like.
0: Totally. I thought one thing in what you were saying, like in your sort of like beginning stages of leadership, that was really interesting and in how it didn't start out as like you got, some sort of like magic title that was like, hey, now you are allowed to do leadership things. Yeah. <laughs> Where it was just sort of like this natural, at least it seems from what you were saying, is that it was sort of like this natural transition and you were just doing things that kind of made sense to you at a time. I think that's something that maybe not enough people realize that like you don't need a special title to be a leader, to do leadershipy things. <laughs> How do you think about that? Like, how do you help people sort of like recognize that in themselves and sort of like help them find some ways they can get started in exercising sort of like some of their ideas, right? Like, I'm sure all of us, you know, have had managers before and, you know, same as you, we've seen things that worked and seen things that didn't. But where do you think that people should start to kind of like practice that skill?
1: Yeah, for sure it's interesting, like leadership is defined as a quality more often than not, right? Like it's a thing that is a way, something that you apply to the way that you act that leads to leadership. It's not like you're doing leadership, right? It's like your behaviors kind of have leadership qualities to them. Mm-hmm. And I think like, this is something that we, Shopify expect everybody to exhibit, I think in some way, but there is a way to refine sort of that quality of that behavior over time. And I think for me, the word that I've stuck to the most that helps me talk to people about like what it means to start being a leader is opinion. Like it's understanding of what you think good and bad looks like. Mm -hmm. And then using that to apply, like being able to apply that to certain situations and test it. So that's not opinion isn't the same as like, what I would say is like, you don't have to strongly believe in an opinion for it to be an opinion that you hold. What you have to do is, is want to like test that opinion. So it's more of a I don't know if this is making sense. You can nod if it's making sense. (laughs) For the record, he nodded. (laughs) So I think this is definitely true for when we're talking about leadership within design or within experience quality, right? It's like, it's it's really hard to lead anyone to a better solution if you don't have your own opinion that you're testing things against. Mm -hmm. But I also think that a leader shouldn't be someone who is extremely strongly holding an opinion as the only correct way to do something but instead using it as a way to test a situation to see like, okay, what would I have done in this in this situation? What is this person facing? Like, how can I be empathic towards what this person's facing? And then like, what's the difference between those things? So that's kind of the skill that I try to work with people on when they're moving towards more of a position where they can exhibit those leadership qualities, whether that's like into a senior design position or beyond that, or maybe somebody who's just moving into a, a US manager position for the first time is really that ability to like be curious but also be confident in your own opinion. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: whether those opinions are like new and you're not sure that they're right or not or they're like long lasting and you've tested them a few times and you're and you're more confident in them.
0: Yeah, there's something interesting here and I don't know if this is sort of like a, a dead end of a question, but I feel like it's it's interesting how every leader I see sort of has a different way in to leadership and it seems like you and I like pretty much align on like our way in is through like product and through sort of like our core discipline but I also don't think it's necessarily the only way in that some people have right like I see there's a lot of like team members on on my team where they're like amazing at collaboration and Mm -hmm. like getting people to work together where sort of like that like strong opinion or like driving force behind like, oh, this is good and this is bad is like not necessarily the thing that they're bringing, but they're great at sort of getting people together. And that's sort of like leveraging their unique kind of superpower and and turning that into a great leadership quality. Yeah, I think
1: this is a bit of a cop-out, but I look at a leader who is a strong collaborator, like a very good collaborative problem solver is someone who has an opinion that that's the best way for an experience to move forward. Right. So like, that's the opinion that that person holds and that they're bringing to that team that that team might not have gotten to on its own. And so this is like, this is kind of what I mean by that opinion piece. It's like, you've got a belief about the right way to move projects forward or the right way for experiences to work or the right way for teams to work together Mm -hmm. that you exert in some way and test and try And that's something that that team or those people that you're talking to wouldn't have got to on their own. Like that's your unique thing that you're bringing. And that's kind of what I'm, what I'm trying to get to with that opinion thing. I think it could be like anything for me. It was definitely like I started, I think it was the mix of product design and UX development. That was like really my Mm -hmm. in, in a lot of cases, because I cared deeply about the thing that was being created, but I cared also very deeply about like making sure that the outcome matched that initial goal. And so like, yeah. that's really how I got into it. Right. It's like, this is something I believe deeply in both of these things coming together. And that pushed me into uh, more leadership because I was able to point out situations where maybe we weren't going down the right path that would lead us to that thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one thing that I think is interesting is how a lot of the stuff you described about forming an opinion about how something should be getting feedback, testing ideas, all of these are just design, right? Like that's, That's like literally the design process that, you know, all of us have when we're designing something. And so, I don't know, maybe it's a thing where it's like, it's a skill that I've developed and then it makes it easier for me to see what are the other things that are similar to that skill. But like one thing I often tell to designers is, like what makes you a great designer also makes you good at so many other things beyond making (laughs) mock-ups. And so like, hopefully like this episode can help people kind of see that and see what are the things that they're good at and how they can apply that and turn that into leadership.
1: Yeah. I think like design is, is very rarely about making pretty pictures, right? Like that's not, that's not what we as designers hold as a skill design, the capital D design is is problem solving. Like that's all it comes down to, right? And it's a specific lens on problem solving that's probably a little bit more laterally focused. So it might not be as rational or logical in a lot of cases, but it's just purely problem solving.
0: Something else I think that is interesting about Shopify, just generally when it comes to, to leadership is how we don't equate leadership to people management. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot more companies are starting to like open up to this, but I certainly feel like Shopify was years ahead on sort of like recognizing that. So how would you sort of explain the difference between leadership and management?
1: Yeah, this is something that I I believe very strongly. And actually it's something that this is funny because I think like when we were building the Shopify UX team, one of the things that we counted ourselves as doing very differently was whenever we had a lead in place, that person was responsible for the experience outcome of the problem that they were leading. So this is leadership. And they were also responsible for managing the team across mm. disciplines that was working on that problem. And this was interesting because when we when talked to people in other companies, Large companies kind of similar size to Shopify at the time or bigger. Most of them had built a team that had an experience leader. So somebody who was like the champion of the experience, and a people manager. So you kind of had two bosses a lot of the time. You would have the experience leader who's telling you, like, okay, this is what I'm we're trying to achieve. Like, here's what we need to do to make that happen. Here's like all the opinions and beliefs that I have that will lead us there. And then you had this people manager who would hopefully give you like work on, with you on your growth path, work with you on the things that you wanted to accomplish and the career goals that you had. And my question was always like, how does that people manager like know how successful you're being on your project? Like is that experience leader? And are those that people manager spending a ton of time together talking about you and your your success on your team? Because right. like there's how can there be that big of a disconnect between your personal growth and the like output of your work? Those mm-hmm. things feel so interrelated to me. So this was always a big question that I had. It's like, how could you possibly disconnect these things? <laughs> and so this is one of the reasons that we built our, our team the way that we did is I think that that belief or opinion that I had and I think was shared by our other US leaders that these things are so intrinsic to each other that for us to know how successful you are and where you need to go in your career, I also need to know that you like are capable and can achieve those experience outcomes that, that we're setting. So This is kind of a long winded way to talk about the difference between leadership and management. But like for me, management, I think is much more of an input into good leadership. So I Hmm. don't think all leaders need to be managers. I don't think that leadership requires management to be successful. Leaders can lead through influence without any ownership. And you can spend a lot of time doing that and be very successful doing that. Managers have very specific, like there's a very specific skill in management, which is helping like unlock people's potential, helping them work through problems, it's generally very individually or people oriented. And hopefully they're good at applying their own like leadership qualities towards that management style. But leadership itself is, is I think, much broader than that. Leadership is about bringing people further probably than uh, they would have got on their own. Like that's kind of, I think concisely, that's what I, I look at leadership as. And management like plays a role in that, but it's not the only way to be a leader.
0: Yeah. And that's a great way to put it. Like, I think you're the first person that I see put it in that way. And that makes a lot of sense to me is this idea that you being there makes everyone else around you better in some way, shape or form, but it doesn't mean that you're necessarily managing them. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And I also
1: think like bad leader often is somebody that you feel like gets in your way, right? Like they're not helping Mm -hmm. you get anywhere. And they're like often, that has nothing to do with them being your manager or not. I think like everybody's probably encountered a bad leader sometime in their life when they felt like they were just being roadblocked in every instance and wasn't improving like their ability to get things done.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and one thing that I like is this idea of, Hey, leadership can happen outside of management is built right into things like our job levels and like our career paths at Shopify. And so we actually have two tracks there's the people management track, and then there's the sort of like craft track where we you can decide and you can continue your growth and having your influence and having your leadership, but mostly through a craft.
1: Yeah. I don't know if this is a like hot take on this or not, but I really look at those two paths as a continuum more than mm. two disparate paths. Like, I think that some of our best UX managers, senior UX managers, UX directors would be fully capable of jumping into staff roles at that exact level. Like hmm. they are player coaches that have the technical capability or capacity to jump into those roles if they wanted to, but they're exhibiting their leadership in a different way. And that's totally fine. And the same is true of our, of I think some of our best staffers is they could take on people, they could lead them through people management, they could step into that role, but it's about how and where they want to apply their leadership skills that helps them choose which of those paths is correct or not. And I think mm-hmm. a like shining example of someone who I've worked with really closely for a while that's that's done this is uh, Jesse BC. Mm-hmm. So Jesse is a obviously fantastic designer, works at a principal design level across a lot of Shopify, but has also managed individuals for a large part of his career at Shopify. So he's like treading this balance between the two of them. And more recently, he's realized that to have the impact that he wants to have on the company, the leadership impact that he wants to have on the company, he wants to shed some of those people management responsibilities. And Mm. so his teams are moving to different people and we're making sure that they're set up with the right people to be successful, but he's going to be focusing more on his craft so that he can exhibit the leadership qualities that he believes in most strongly in the places that he thinks are the most impactful. And so like, this is what I really love about these two paths is that like both are extremely valuable leadership paths for Shopify And choosing one doesn't mean that it's going to block you from doing the other, that you're necessarily bad at one or the other. Right. Like it's not like it's a binary choice to be a great crafter or a great manager. You can be both of those things.
0: Yeah. It was also super helpful in my personal experience, because I know like as you were kind of like going through your your story of how you got into leadership, like it, it kind of sounds like a lot of things came naturally to you and I feel like I wasn't like that at all and so for me it like when I went through this transition it was like something I was curious about and I was interested in exploring more but I had no idea if this is something I would be good at yeah. <laughs> and so having that freedom of like hey you can actually give this a try and if it doesn't work out that's fine you know like you can go back and there's plenty of opportunities and if it does awesome and like we'll you know we'll give you as much resources as you need to grow in that kind of like new area but i love seeing people in shopify like really take advantage of this and like you know explore a new box and and try new things and they're like I'm scared about this new area, but I'm excited to figure it out. Yeah. And then knowing, having the sort of like safety net of, but if it doesn't, like it's not the end of the world and you know we'll figure it out and I'll f- eventually find my way.
1: Yeah, I also really love that. I'm trying to see if it did feel as comfortable as you think I felt like when I was James. <laughs> it's so hard to remember. I think honestly, like probably if you ask people, they, like one of the things that I lucked into is that I have, always had an opinion on something. So like, Mm -hmm. even if I like don't believe super strongly in something in an opinion or in in an idea, I will like state it and like try it out. And I think that was probably my hook, right? It's like, like, just being willing to to state those beliefs. And I think this is something that I, I definitely work with people on all the time is just getting them to say like what they believe in, Mm -hmm. makes something great, like, right, like, let's have that conversation. It's like, what do you think? Like, what do you firmly believe will make something great? And if you don't firmly believe it, what do you sort of believe will make something great? Hmm. And then take it further than that. Like, what is the why behind that? Like, why do you think that that's true? Like, this is where you start to, I think, get to a point where you can exert some leadership influence without having to say like, Hey, I'm like a lead. You don't have to be that person. But if you can clearly state like what you think will make something better and why you believe that thing, like who's not going to listen to you.
0: Yeah. I mean, for all the the leaders listening to this, like it's a, great set of questions to ask your team members. (laughs) You know, like, what do you think is great? (laughs) And how do you define that? I think it's it's a great starting point for a good conversation. For sure. What would you say defines a good leader? Like we talked a little bit about listening and adapting and, and getting feedback and sort of that, maybe that having that sort of like ability to kind of switch between people management and more individual contributors, but are there sort of like factors or signals that like you've seen just like these traits that, hey, these great leaders are really having?
1: Yeah, I think we like we talked about curiosity. I think that's a a really big one. I think being able to like understand or I think this is like coming back to some design skills as well, being able to uh, understand people's positions based on where they're standing instead of where you're standing. Hmm. That's so necessary, right? It's like often people will bring you challenges or bring you problems and you'll look at them from your perspective and you'll say like, I don't understand why this is a problem. Just do this, right? Like that's, <laughs> and because you have like whatever extra context you're able to be clear for them, but that's like not good leadership telling people what to do is, is not leading them, right? It's just mm-hmm. directing them. And so like that willingness to step into people's shoes and like try to look at the world from that perspective is necessary. And that's a, a necessary design skill to you, right? Like we try to exert that all of the time. I think like on the flip side of the opinion front is like being willing to talk about when your opinions are strong and why they're strong and when they're weak and why they're weak is also Mm. a trait that's necessary, right? Like you have to be able to change your perspective. Nobody wants a leader that is like strongly opinionated, holds their balls really closely, but, and is never willing to change their opinion on anything. Like that's obviously not correct. And we talk about that, I think, as like strong opinions, weakly held. Yeah. And The thing that I often see that interpreted as wrongly is, like, you should be willing to throw away your strong opinions at any point, Mm -hmm. which I don't think is correct. Like, the weakly held aspect of it is just, like, the right things should be able to knock your strongly held opinions out of position. doesn't mean that, like, as soon as someone challenges it, you should throw it away.
0: And I love this idea of sort of like interrogating why was I wrong? <laughs> I feel like sometimes, like, a, a natural reflex that we have is at first, like, when you realize you're wrong, to be defensive about it. But if you're not going to be defensive about it, you know, sometimes people will like just kind of like change their mind and just like try to do that silently. <laughs> and just like, kind yeah. of, all right, like, this is a new way. Cool. Like, we're good. But I think it's interesting to explore that question of like, what are the set of factors that made me get the wrong opinion about this? Because I think it's more important to understand why you were wrong than to just change course because like, while changing course will get you the outcome you want, you won't be able to do that in a reputable way. Like, that essentially means that you might make that those same set of mistakes again whereas if you truly understand why you made the wrong call or why you made the wrong decision then you can get better you you kind of like what i always tell people about is like you you train your decision making algorithm yeah. <laughs> like that's very much yeah, how i see curious. it like you know like in your brain it's like how do you make decisions right and it's like generally it's set of inputs give you a logical output every single time and so oftentimes it's either that your inputs were wrong or there's something in like how you transform these outputs into a decision that was wrong and it's it's interesting to be able to pinpoint like exactly where something broke down here and that's also why in reviews i often ask people hey like don't show me you know, 14 options that you've explored, like make the decision, like tell me which one you think is worth exploring and tell me why. And the reason for that is not because, you know, I think it's going to take me more time to go through all 14 options, which it totally will, but it's, it's more because there's more value in you trying to make that decision and verifying if you made the decision correctly, than getting me to make the call for you on, what's the right option? Like, I fully trust that you've explored these 14 options. But like, let's have that conversation at a higher level, which I think, you know, ties back to what you were saying about management as well. Yeah,
1: Yeah, this is like, in that case, like, you know, that they know what they like the best, but they for some reason brought you 14 options. to Well, sometimes
0: people don't. Yeah, I, you know, when I was designing every day, I was in the same boat too. Like, there's something I think that a lot of us end up doing at least I talk about in a lot of my talks but it's this idea of like se- separating the creator from the critic mm-hmm. and I think that's a very helpful tool when you're doing design to produce a lot of work and explore ideas that may seem weird or like oh that can't possibly work right but you explore it and maybe this is when you discover something new but I think sometimes people haven't have a hard time like putting that critic hat back on. And they're like, well, there's pros and cons for all of these options. And like, I can't, you know, end up making a decision. Yeah, for sure. It's hard. But I mean, this is this is why people are here. And this is why we hire smart people. So
1: <laughs> definitely. I find in those cases like there's there's always at least two that they believe strongly in. And like, just tell me why <laughs> you like those two. And, and let's have that totally. conversation. And I think this is actually like totally true in a like management or leadership world as well, which is like w- one thing that I almost always coach people that I work with on is like, please don't bring me a problem without proposing some solutions and and some ideas for why that might be the right path forward.
0: Hmm. Like,
1: because what I don't want to be in necessarily is in a position where I feel like I have to tell you what to do to move forward. Like that's often like I'm, I can't be that good at being empathetic to your situation. Like I just can't be right. So I'm going to make a choice that's not considering all the inputs, like you said, if I do that. And what I want instead is I want to see sort of you having worked through that so I can understand your inputs and the output that you got to better such that I can then inform my opinion better because otherwise Mm -hmm. I'm only really like using whatever like simulacrum of a person that I've created for you in my head to make that decision for you. (laughs) You're not going to want that. Like it's not going to be complete. Right. So like I think that's true for design decisions, but it's true for any decision in life. right? Like you should have ideally an idea of how to move forward. Whether that's like well-formed or not, and that's the better place for us to start from, uh, to talk about it, because then we can talk through like, okay, well, what'll happen if we go down that path? And what were the things that led us to even suggest that path in the first place?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Okay, now I want to talk about your current role. What is an experienced architect? How would you define this? This is honestly, for me, like this is a new title that I haven't seen a lot before. Yes, so can you it, explain to us what like what does it mean and like unpack it a little bit it's new for me too Kevin so we'll, <laughs> we'll see how we do here I think like titles are
1: interesting because they're like never going to be perfect at explaining what a what a thing is and they're meant to just kind of like encapsulate it a little bit and like especially at shopify I think we often like work outside of our titles more often than we work inside of them even slightly totally. like, like each of our senior ux managers works like does their magic in a slightly different way and that's That's totally great. So it's always a little bit iffy. But the way that I'm looking at experience architecture as is something that I don't know if it's unique to Shopify, but it's definitely a challenge that we face is that we are, for the most part, one giant product. So we're many teams working on one giant product that isn't even like a suite of products in a lot of cases. It's one thing that our merchants experience as a holistic experience Like, they can't tell the difference between who worked on what, why they worked on it differently, why our feature teams are set up the way that they're set up. They can't tell any of that, right? They just experience Shopify. And they know from beginning to end with their experience that it should be a cohesive experience that meets their needs and, like, is a joy to use, hopefully. So one of the challenges for us is, like, how do we, as a team of 450 plus UXers across Shopify, build an experience that can be experienced as one thing? as a cohesive, singular experience? And not only that, like not only from a merchant perspective, but how do we even align enough as a company or as a group of of UX professionals to make the right decisions that feel like it's cohesive? And so my role is really focused on how can I deeply understand the pressures that all of our teams are facing? And sorry, I say I, but really it's like, how can I and my team understand the, it's certainly not a one-man show, the pressures that all of our teams are facing internally, like what is our experience enabling them to solve? And what is it not enabling them to solve? What's keeping them from solving that they wish they could do, but for some reason, like our information architecture doesn't allow it, or we don't have like patterns established to to build it out or like whatever it is, like what is it that's keeping them from solving their problems in the best way possible? And taking that as an input, what are our merchants facing as challenges? What are our users facing in a way that like is keeping them from doing the things that they want to do, taking that as an input? And what are the external pressures on the company that maybe software expectations or like maybe the industry is just moving towards? What are those pressures putting on Shopify and how we work and taking that as an input? And then the architecture aspect of that is really trying to essentially assemble all of those inputs into some options for Shopify on the whole. To move forward with as a company. Hmm. And so like, this is like the architecture part of this is really about like using all of those inputs to try to plan some path forward that we can all use to make better decisions. So I look at this as very different than potentially like a traditional creative director role at an agency or something like that, right? Where it's saying like, okay, this is our direction. This is where we're going. Like that one person you see this in video games, I think, right? Like they set the vision and you're just going towards that thing. For me, the architecture lens on this is about trying to create that plan in a way that makes sense, getting people to agree to that plan and then trying to create the right guidance to achieve that plan. So it's it's way more about kind of like leveling everyone up from within the company and understanding everyone's pressures and us all designing hmm. together than about like I could say like, hey, here's the thing that we should design for Shopify like in the next three years. But why would I be right? Like I'm not the most contextually aware person of everything that we're working on. Instead, like what I can try to do in the power that I try to have is to tie all of those threads together into something that that makes sense. And it's going to make sense to us and to our merchants.
0: Right. And talking about kind of, again, the same idea of getting a bunch of inputs and then making a decision. It's hard for one person, you know, at our scale to have all the inputs on everything that's going on. And so it's much easier to sort of like have Person, people that have deep expertise in whatever area, take their input and figure out, hey, like what are the challenges that I have and then feed you that as your input so you can then make your decision Yeah, and sort of, yeah. And one thing that I think is interesting and I've always admired about you is your ability to kind of focus on big like company problems where I feel like a lot of leaderships, leaders, and like, you know, I can include myself in that are more focused around like specific teams or a specific projects or products and you seem to have that ability to go a level higher than that and really think big picture like how where are we going as a company so are there ways that you had to kind of like adapt going from more sort of like laser focused on a specific thing to hey like how do we help influence like A huge amount of people like you mentioned like 400 something uxers that's a lot of people (laughs) yeah so how do you do that
1: that is uh, what if i said i don't know
0: no uh, i think Uh, and that would be totally okay right like i don't think we have necessarily have all the answers all the time but i'm sure you have an opinion
1: (laughs) i have an idea maybe we'll we'll start there (laughs) i think actually this is like comes back to probably what my fatal flaw is as well which is that like i See everything as a slippery slope. Like, this is like, mm. if you spend any time working with me, you're like always wondering why I'm trying to push something down and saying, like, we shouldn't do that because it'll lead to this, which will lead to this, which will lead to this. <laughs> I'm always kind of like trying to find that root cause, right? Like the thing mm. that is really putting the pressure on us to go down one path. And often by looking at that, you will look at a problem as being much bigger than it actually is sometimes. This is why I call it my fatal flaws. Like, sometimes that's the wrong thing to do. But I also think that. That ability is what enables me to look at things from a slightly different angle to say like, okay, our problem isn't necessarily that we are like solving all of these problems independently. Like we would do a great job if we were solving all these problems independently, but there is definitely something above these because these are all very related problems. And so that's Mm -hmm. kind of what I'm looking for in all cases is like, what is the connection between all of the things that like are coming up? And so I think I developed this skill at Shopify because I was in UX reviews really early on in my time here. And UX reviews, we used as a way to review and critique sort of work that was happening across the company. So it was an opportunity for teams to come and like get a critique, gain context, see what other people were working on, and for the leaders in the company to get a better sense of sort of what everybody was was facing and those challenges uh, that they had as well. It was an alignment mechanism uh, that we continue to this day. So what that gave me was a really good insight into all of the problems that a lot of teams were facing. And then what I was able to do was say like, okay, well, these are all basically the same problem. So what is the root cause of that thing? And try to take it up a level and try to address it at that point, instead of trying to address it only at the points where I felt like I had direct impact on. Mm -hmm. Cause I could have just solved it with each of those individual teams, but that's very unsatisfying for me. (laughs) I really hate solving the same problem multiple times. It's like my least favorite thing in the world. So it's probably a little bit of laziness as well, where I'm just like, can we please just fix this the one time instead of fixing it a hundred times?
0: So, okay. So if I kind of summarize what you're saying is, it's sort of getting to what is the root of the problem and like finding that highest leverage point where you can do something. And so when you're spending a lot of time, just like laser focus on your own little area, if you just zoom out a little bit, you realize, hey, a bunch of other people are having your same problems. So how could we help solve it for everyone all at once rather than just like being our own silos.
1: Yeah. I definitely don't always feel comfortable like raising an issue up to another level, even if I think that's where it, it lives. Like this is an ongoing challenge for me. It's like, I often am like scared to do that. Honestly, a lot of the times, cause I'm like, I don't know if I'm right here. Like I might be raising something mm. and just like creating a problem that doesn't even exist. And so it's, Definitely, a, like a weight to do that. It's not comfortable to say, like, "Hey, I think that we're solving this problem at the wrong level." But like the the way that I've kind of gotten past that is like, well, there's probably two things. It's like one, it's generally good to feel uncomfortable. Like that's usually a good sign. And I I attribute that advice to a talk I watched Mike Montero give at one point. I'm way back when, but it really resonated with me. Uh, and I'm not sure it's good advice, but it really resonated with me, which is that. <laughs> If you don't feel like you're like the decisions that you're making will lead to you potentially losing your job, you're not making difficult enough decisions, <laughs> which is like uh, scary, but also like yeah, that's a good point, right? Like I'm being paid; like my job is to is to challenge. Like that's what I should be here to do. I have these beliefs, these opinions, mm-hmm. and I should be exerting them in a way that is is risky, right? Because they are something that maybe no one else would do, uh, and I really need to have a rationale for that. So that kind of led me down that path.
0: Nice. I like this idea of sort of making these slightly risky bets and one thing that i think a lot about is does this problem need someone or does it need me like Mm -hmm. what am i uniquely bringing to this and i think that like ties into your sort of like risky move where you're like hey probably no one else would do this, <laughs> and, but I can. Yeah. And so like, let me use that. And I think that's that's a great way. And I think just like universally good advice, I think as a leader is that try to focus and double down on the opportunities where you feel like you can do something that nobody else can. Yeah. And when you feel like there's nothing unique you're bringing to a situation, that is generally... Th- means that it's a time for you to pass along that, you know, that problem or that opportunity to someone else for whom that will be a bit of a stretch. And they will be, you know, bringing something new to the table and they'll probably also do something that you would never would never do. And it's like the cycle repeats itself.
1: For sure. Yeah, I really like this, like the model of like what are you uniquely capable of of being good at. And I think that honestly plays into the comfort level thing as well, right? It's like a good question to ask yourself in those situations where you're feeling uncomfortable raising something that you believe in is, well, like why has no one raised this before? And there's probably mm. two answers to that. One is like it's a bad point like it's a bad opinion and everybody's just like oh this is a bad opinion and that's like the the worst path to go down right where you're like questioning yourself and questioning like whether you're correct but the other thing is like well nobody was in your shoes in the right way before right like nobody had all the context that you had nobody saw this problem from your unique lens and so they weren't able to see this this problem the same way and that's honestly way more often the case than the first one yeah right it's like
0: 100 percent
1: you're uniquely shaped in such a way that you have a specific set of skills that probably very few people have in your exact way and or experiences that lead you to see things differently. And like, you should use that. And that's probably why it feels uncomfortable is because like you're treading new ground and that's a great place to be in.
0: Yeah, and it's sort of a, a great advantage I have having been at Shopify for literally forever is that people come to me <laughs> to get context on stuff. Yeah. And honestly, 80% of the time I'm like, no, you have no idea like how, you know, not perfect this area is. Like people ask me some, some questions about checkout or something like that. And just, just like assume, like come into the conversation, assuming that there must be some sort of like grand like a master plan for why something is a certain way and it's like oh like a lot of the times i end end up being like no like definitely question this because you're way smarter than we were when we made this you know many years ago
1: yeah i use this uh term when people start often like this is like my onboarding advice to people is to like think about the fact that like shopify hires weird shaped people on purpose And I use that term because people are always (laughs) like, what do you mean weird shape people? But what I mean by that is like, we're often looking for people that don't like fit perfectly into the role that they've taken on. And so like, you might be a product designer who has a huge career in, let's say video game design, like art design for video games or something like that. And we've never hired anybody like that before. It's a weird shape for a person like that to be. But what that gives you is a unique set of context skills and perspective that no one else at the company has. And so the absolute worst possible thing you could do is hold that to yourself. Like those opinions that generate that to yourself. Mm -hmm. Like the best thing you could do is raise those things because like you have a set of experience that literally no one else at this company has. And so I think what we've tried to do is just assemble this like team of weird shaped people that can apply all of these different lenses in weird ways. And what I hope people do with that is share, share what they're seeing all of the time and not do what what you said, which is like, just assume that we figured it out in the past. Because if you're seeing something that should be done differently or that you believe should be done differently. It's probably because no one else has seen it from that angle before.
0: Totally. I feel like that's a great place to end it. If you're a weird shaped people, (laughs) uh, hit us up, let us know. We're always hiring and we have lots of, you know, things that were thought up, but there's also a lot of things that we want to improve in our product. And it's that, I think it's that relentless quest for doing better that motivates so many of us so thank you so much kyle for spending that time with me i've had a blast and i would say like my last sort of question for you would be if people you know enjoy this conversation and want to learn more want to know more about you where should they find you do you have some some place to point them
1: or opening up the plug bag yeah I honestly, I spend very little time on social media. And so this is like, I probably don't have anything to plug. I'm sometimes on Twitter. And so you could probably find me there. I look at it like a little bit, but I'm not super active. But my DMs are open. So if you want to chat, shoot me a DM on, on Twitter or send me an email, I guess. But Twitter's probably better.
0: <laughs> send, send Kyle a letter. <laughs> yeah, I, Yeah. Postage paid, please. <laughs> Any of your talks online? Because I like, yeah, I want to tell people Kyle's talks are like always some of my favorite talks. And so if if you get a chance to like find a, a YouTube link or something, we'll try to put some links in the show notes.
1: Yeah, too. I should probably put a list together at some point. But yeah, if you Google my name, hopefully talks show up and not the whatever terrible poetry I wrote when I was 15.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Kevin.